Welcome to Fandom and Wellness, a podcast about the complex relationship between fandom and mental health. Disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are just fangirls with a vested interest in mental health. I'm Danielle. And I'm Jenny. Arkita won't be joining us today, but we do have a special guest, Taylor Detheridge. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. Uh, <laughs> welcome. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> oh, I know. Thank you for asking me to be on this. This is great. Um, so before we start, um, can you just share your pronouns? Absolutely. Uh, mine are she, her, hers. Great. Ours are also she, her, hers. Um, and I just wanted to explain how I know you to the audience. Um, I barely remember, but it's it's like a <laughs> slow burn, you know? Yeah. Like, you slowly grow to know people. Um, we're, we're just in the same, like, geek girl boss circles. Yep. Um, yeah, right? Same yeah. with Danielle, right? Introduced on, like, in a geek girl boss Instagram thread. Right, yeah. I think, yeah, that was the first time I met you, Taylor. Um, and then we met at conventions, and, um, I found out you were into... Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super proud fan. So proud. Yeah. I don't see, I don't know many people in my real life who actually like that show, so wow. it's nice to see other people. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, other than my younger sister, who I go to a ton of events with, and um, I found out used to read and write fan fiction for a while. I d- still do. But still do. Still do, proud to say. <laughs> I also have uh, actual, I've authored works that are uh, anthology pieces for Doctor oh. Who, published Doctor Who books. Oh, really? As well. So not all, ju- not just fan fiction, but yeah, most of it is. <laughs> but that's that's actually awesome. I didn't know that. Thanks. That's yeah, it's so like cool. A hidden, it's like a secret, not really a secret, but it's like something I never <laughs> tell people because it well, never people- comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now they'll know. (laughs) Now people will know, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Can you share with listeners what you do for a living? Uh, Yes. So I do several things, which kind of overlap with each other. Oh my god, so many things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the, my primary full-time job is I work for a company called Alien Entertainment, and we've been around for 20 years. We're a retail online business, but we do a lot of work. Uh, we do a lot of like licensed uh, items. We've done exclusives with companies before. And I do social media management and event management for that company because we run the second largest doctor convention in the world and the biggest in the Midwest. And it's called Chicago TARDIS. And I do event planning and marketing for that. And I also run a own partial owner and designer and I run our social media for um my side business uh with my partner called Logan Arch. And uh that's also very pop culture oriented. Sweet. How long have you been um doing uh Chicago TARDIS? Uh Chicago TARDIS will be this year will be the sixth year. Uh and I've been working for Alien for six and a half years. And how long nice. have you been doing Logan Arch? Uh, that's going to be three. It'll be three very soon. Cool. Time flies. It does. When when you own a small business. <laughs> I just saw um, like a Facebook time hop post oh, that was talking about like when I first started making the convertible dresses six years ago. And I was like, oh, wow. okay. 
Yeah. Like I started my company in 2011, but I switched to doing the convertible dresses like six years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. oh, geez. <laughs> and when you say That's you're right, like, I mean, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was just congratulating Danielle. Like, what a road for you. That's Yeah. <laughs> What around for all of us? All three of us go. are geeky <laughs> business owners. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, when you say, like, uh, you're a social media manager mm-hmm. and an event planner, I feel yeah. like that doesn't really convey all the work you do <laughs> yeah. planning a giant convention and handling all the social media and going to conven- other co- like other conventions for alien entertainment. Like, there's so much that you do. Thank you. Um, I think that sometimes, and then I think, oh, this is just what you do when you're, like, a one-person team doing this, which mm-hmm. is funny because, you know, some people have, like, marketing teams, which I we kind of do when we do the event. Like, when the event is happening, I have people that go out in into the real event, and they take, you know, photos and things for me, and then I sit down and I aggregate it and do whatever. But, yeah, I would say... That's true. I'm going to say true. Um, but I try not to think of it like that. Um, I do I do enjoy what I do, so that's helpful. That's good, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember talking to you about um, how uh, we were walking around at a convention and how mm-hmm. you don't always feel like you're taken seriously as like a woman boss because mm-hmm. you have to have your husband do some of the talking sometimes to yes. be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. which i thought was so that's a bummer <laughs> yeah. yeah so interesting was so sad yeah you come off as super professional honestly thank you thank you um i was i mean we'll probably talk about this in a while but uh my first career was extremely professional so i have carried the that kind of mentality i think over to this business i don't really know how not to be this way i suppose <laughs> okay but yeah uh, there are certain things because the pop culture industry of old is very, mm-hmm. still very, um, oriented in, you know, patriarchal and masculine, um, ideals. Unfortunately, we're, we're getting there. There's been a lot of change even when I entered this business six years ago. Um, but because of that, I, yeah, I definitely do have to have my husband go like, Hey, why don't you send an email to, this person or I have pretended I was a man in emails before because my oh, name man. is it can be a man's right. name as well and right. some people do uh, mistake, mistake me in emails for a man yeah mm-hmm. and I don't I just let it go yeah <gasps> oh man if that's gonna get me to yeah. you know be able to talk to this person unfortunately do you f- do you feel like that has an impact on your confidence um maybe it's more like this is dumb yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true that's, that's me at the end of the day it's more about like this is ridiculous and gross right and how mm-hmm. i get mad about that and and how i do want to fix those kind of attitudes rather than i'm more of an action person than i am a stewing over emotions person sure okay. yeah yeah i think yeah. that's yeah. obvious by a lot of your posts thank you <laughs> I, I, I mean i appreciate that about them so thank you yeah I was I was just reading through my old emails because I need to delete. I have to delete my emails every five mm-hmm. days because it's ninety nine percent full, and I just. Right. But I need all of them. Is the problem? But anyway, <laughs> um, I was just see- looking at how people would t- talk to me and Rose versus Mark a lot of the time. They'll call us girls, for example. You know, even though 
<laughs> you shouldn't, mm-hmm. but you know, we're in a professional setting right. where professional emails, you know, yeah, but yeah it is fu- very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and so, um, Logan Arch is three years in the making, right? Yeah, almost, yeah. Almost. Almost. Do you find it difficult to handle that, like, basically in your off hours? Where you, when you want, might want free time, basically? Um, yes and no. I will say, I don't know what free time is. No, I'm just kidding. I, um, <laughs> bitch, me too. No, you're not. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, my hobbies before this, so one of the things I used to love doing was making things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I do cosplay, and that's still a hobby I love doing even now. Um, but before that, I was a crafter, and I've always liked to make things with my hands and design things. And when I had the opportunity to make something bigger out of that, because I had, you know, the financial means, and I had found, you know, places I could get these things made, such and such, the way you roll out kind of, you know, your side hustle or whatever, at the end of the day, that, that hobby that I had became something that I was doing anyway. So I guess it's sort of like a a mixed answer uh, that I love doing it because it used to be my hobby. So it doesn't really feel like a chore, but yeah, there's some, there are some times where I think, oh, I wish I had more time to devote to this. Yes, that I will say. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you like? How do you like? How do you handle um, if you fe- feel like talking about this oh, yeah. and um, like anxiety and depression mm-hmm. when you're juggling all of these responsibilities? I will say that first of all, you can. I will be. I'm very frank about mental health. So anybody Great. can again. We'll probably we're gonna probably get to why that would be. But yeah, I think that's something you and I have bonded over. That's true. I yeah, because there aren't. There are some people that almost get there when they're, like, going to speak about it, and then they don't quite get there. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to – don't push yourself if that's not where you want to go, <laughs> yeah. right? That's, but I'm never going to be not super frank about it because I think there isn't a point. And I'm fortunate enough the way that I have learned how to – in again, in my education, how to properly, you know, step aside and say, okay, let me think about these things. That's part of it. Um, it's also good because sometimes people can't actually talk about it. And if someone can, maybe that's good for everybody. I don't know. Um, but it's not awful because I have good outlets and I have a great partner. That's, first of all, that's it in the first place. Like, good friends, good partner. Um, I have cats, which are helpful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, I think it's, it's challenging in certain pieces because there's things like um, imposter syndrome that creeps right. up on you, right? I think I was I did the panel at San Diego Comic Con. One of the things that I said just blatantly to people was, um, you know, like comparison is the thief of joy. Don't do that. And I just I will say that to everybody mm. forever because it's the truth. Your brain is going to tell you that that's not the truth, but it's the truth. It really is. So we but can't do you find go, that you do it anyway? Oh, yeah. For sure. Because <laughs> yeah. we're all human. We can't yeah. right. mean to not, like, reality check what's happening in front of us. Because that's not necessarily the norm. You're not going to go yeah. to a situation and go, 
okay, let me logically break this down and why my emotional reaction isn't appropriate. That's something you have to like think about and, you know, make yourself understand, but it's perfectly fine to have those emotions as well, because that says something about you that maybe there's things going on that you should and need to take care of yourself. Like self-care needs to happen in those moments and things like that. Mm -hmm. So good partner, good friends, good outlets. Yeah, I know Jenny Jenny and I are just like little balls of anxiety all the time. So <laughs> sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. Um, <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about what what I really want to talk about is healthy uh, escapism, and we'll get there. Um, we're gonna get but, there. <laughs> yeah, but I also wanted to just um, you you hinted at this earlier mm -hmm. because you used to be a social worker. I did. Right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. So. <laughs> so what did you do as a social worker? Um, well, when I went into social work, I actually wanted to be a medical social worker. And part of that is because, again, I'll blatantly share this, which is fair. Uh, my dad is severely, he's a, he's disabled. He has an autoimmune disorder. And so growing up, seeing him interact with all these medical professionals and how they were like very awful and oh. it's fine. He's okay. He's like, if you ever meet my father, he's one of the nicest people in the world. He loves. Aww. He's like a huge nerd too, which is why oh, I'm a cool. nerd. So he's an awesome dude. But they're just not equipped to uh, talk to people sometimes, and so mm -hmm. that's what a medical social worker does. They come into situations. They talk to the family. They're advocates, and so I wanted to do that. And then I went into school, did an internship at um, a agency in Chicago, because uh, that's where I'm from, and mm -hmm. I was just blown away by how they worked, and I stuck with them. So it, I worked with children in a mm -hmm. school setting, um, and the agency is called Youth Guidance, and they are the oldest social work agency in Chicago to date. That's awesome. Yeah. They're private, though, which is actually a good thing, so it's not the situation where, um, uh, like, you would normally have someone who's solely in a school, it was, it's like a program situation. So I, I also designed programs for the school. So what I would do, I would get a budget from the higher ups at my, my work. And then they would mm -hmm. ask, you know, what do we want to do with these kids for the summer or Christmas break? And I design the programs around that. So we do classes, we do field trips to places, we do that. So that's actually where I first got my event planning experience as well. Because nice. I had to do all that stuff and then figure out how to build this program when they, you know, they handed me a check for like a few thousand dollars, like build a whole program for a year off of this, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I used to do. And I, I worked with families and things like that. But yes, primary, my work was with like preschool kid, age kids to eighth graders. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do you do you miss that work? I do. I will say I miss it sometimes. I don't miss the bad parts. I won't go into that because that's very, it's depressing. The bad stuff's depressing. But the good things, like talking to the families, being involved in the community, because we also did things like our food pantry over in the neighborhood I worked in um, at the school because it was like the primary L a CPS school in the neighborhood. And we used to do like street fairs and everything that you would communicate. You know, I knew everybody that lived around the school, everybody that came to the school. So yeah, though that community aspect, I definitely miss that sometimes for sure. Yeah. That sounds mm -hmm. like you're really helping people. 
Yeah. I think I did. <laughs> it's funny. It sounds like you did. Never what I think about when I think about that. It's only just like what the kind of involvement you have, or and what kind of thing you we were building as a group. I guess that's the kind of、mm-hmm. stuff that I always thought about because it was very group oriented. It was never me just working by myself. I had other like two other girls,、uh, women who were in. It, they were. With me in our like administration piece, so we would like I would have a specific task and we would do this, but then they would you know aid, aid me in doing certain things,、right. and then we had like staff under us who would work with the the groups of kids doing these these like tasks and or like their classes, and we get teachers from outside the school to teach the classes. So it was like a huge group effort. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and obviously there's like. Policy and、mm-hmm. like really big planning that goes into creating programs for a whole city. Yes, but like the people on the ground, like impacting directly the lives of children, is also extremely important. Yeah,、like, I think、so. I just, I absolutely think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So. You did mention that your training as a show, social、mm-hmm. worker kind of impacts how you act now.、Mm-hmm. How how would you say it does that? Um, this is a funny question because people will maybe you'll st- maybe people will start to notice this when I talk to them, but don't worry about <laughs> it.、Um, I always am afraid I'm going to scare somebody with this answer.、Um, it's more about like looking at someone and, and understanding them. Which seems like a simple and silly answer, but it really is that.、Um, I don't think so. I do some freelance work. Let me preface this in marketing now. So I, I do、mm-hmm. social media freelance work, and one of the things I think I bring to that sort of field is that I am able to sit down with someone and consult with them in a way that I would nor- like I have been taught how to consult with someone and hear them in like a social work setting. Sure. And for lots of people, that can be beneficial because there's things that they are wanting, and you're hearing it, and then you're、mm-hmm. you gotta pull it out. So you gotta be like, I'm, you know, I'm hearing you say this. What did? You, what do you think about this? You know, again, just conversations that we have one on one with people, and that's probably the thing I carry over the most. That like actually looking somebody in the face and. Understanding where they are now and where they want to go, and、right. thinking about those kinds of things, and I do that a lot with people. I think I it's think. very obvious that you do that. Oh,、personally. good. <laughs> like <laughs> when I when I, I said、it. that, I think、kidding. you come off as very professional. Like、mm-hmm. that that was like a very short. Form of me saying all of that, <laughs> like you, <laughs> like you make like very direct eye contact and. You seem very empathetic towards what other people's needs are, but also give like a direct response. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think it comes off already. I don't think you should be worried about scaring people. Means, back. <laughs> it just means、Thank、that you. you're a good listener. That you are here actually hearing what other people are saying, right? As opposed to being like, okay, okay, say your thing, and then let me say my thing that I think is more important.、Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's. I think it's. It's definitely a good thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> well, it's. A, it's not obvious to me that you're. You're actively listening because, like, you are. Like it. It's like deeply important to you to actually help other people. 
Yeah, I would say that that's never going to go, that kind of motivation in me is never going to go away because it's like hardwired into me at this point. (laughs) So I appreciate that. And I I think it's a good mindset to um, come at other people like you want to understand them and what their motives and why they do the things they do. Yes. Right? Because they can be, they can act in a way that seems detrimental to you for but like there's a reason for the things that they do absolutely um yeah so i think that's a good mindset to have for sure Mm -hmm. also also you seem very like no bullshit which i love (laughs) thank you yeah that is true um that is something that i think is funny because some people don't know i think some people think oh she sounds like i sound i'm gonna be funny about this but i always say that i sound like a valley girl and that very high-pitched voice, which is fine. And when I'm, you know, a younger woman sounding like that, some people are like, Taylor's so adorable. And it's like, no, I am very mean sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I am very no bullshit. I will, I will be honest about things. I'm, I'm tactful about it, but I don't really am. I'm not a person that doesn't understand. I'm not a person that really understands the benefit of not communicating. I'm a communicator. Right. I will tell you, hey, this isn't good. We got to figure something else out. Let's figure it out. But I don't think this is good. I'm not somebody that's going to sit in that or wants to sit in that or wants to see other right. people sit in that. That's really other the other thing about it when you have like a bunch of people ha- that's happening with. So, yeah, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that's seen. <laughs> yeah. And that's I mean, that's an interesting point, because like that is something that um, I mean, we're, we're kind of trained to think less of women who have like ultra girly, mm-hmm. I guess, sounding voices. And so you have to train yourself to, to not think that they're like valley girlish, which right. is obnoxious as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Absolutely. So you mentioned to me that you did your bachelor's thesis on mm-hmm. healthy escapism. And I thought I that did. would be a, a super great topic to talk about on fandom and wellness because um, on the show and um, on panels and stuff, we've talked about how difficult it is to like toe the line between healthy and unhealthy escapism in fandom, mm-hmm. especially for me personally, <laughs> uh, which I'll expand on. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad we can talk about this. Good. Me too. How do you use escapism in your life, whether it's healthy or unhealthy? Um, I would say definitely fan fiction, because that's, we were talking about that before. Um, I would also say that I love to unwind with television in general. People will Mm -hmm. often comment to me, well, you know a lot about TV, you must watch a lot of it. And it's like, I guess so. I like to know (laughs) what's happening, and I'm very interested in certain shows. Um, and, um, I guess just, just participating in fandom as well, which I mean, if there are other people involved that you can go somewhere and, and, you know, go to convention and associate with other fans that are not toxic fans, uh, Mm -hmm. that's a really positive experience. So I would say that's something that I, I've been going to conventions for over 10 years now and in a social way. So I've, I've done that and I consider that part of, uh, under that umbrella for sure. Yeah cool um do you think there are any like unhealthy ways that you consume fandom 
I think I used, well, see, this is, a, this is the tricky part. I would say this, but clinically that's not true, so I can say this. When I was a teenager, <laughs> okay. oh, seriously, when I was a teenager, okay. uh, that was when I was going through a lot of, like, traumatic stuff. Um, one mm-hmm. of my family members is an alcoholic, is still is, mm. and they were, vi- like, violent and emotionally abusive and, again, everybody, I am okay. I I go to therapy and I understand everything that happened. We're all, we're, Yay, we're all good therapy. over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I talk about this, don't be alarmed. But I would write a lot of fanfic. Like that was the most output I think I was ever producing a fanfiction at once was when mm-hmm. I was probably about 14 to 18 years old. Right. Right. So that's, I considered that at the time shameful because I knew I would read it. I would read it back and I would know why I was writing these things, stuff like that. But as I got older and more educated in my field and even like have discussed this openly with other mental health professionals, that that was actually like the best thing I could have done for myself at the time. Right. So I guess it's kind of a weird perception thing. That's sort of a non-answer, but it's, uh, it's a challenging our thinking answer of sometimes the things we think are unhealthy because they seem not right or shameful are actually like a normal expression of our emotions. So yeah. like so like writing poetry, for example, mm-hmm. even if it's like super depressing. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That's a super healthy way to actually explore what's going on with you in, in a safe way too, because a lot of the time you can't express those things to other people. And that, mm-hmm. yeah, for some reason, it may be real or not, but it's, it's most likely real. Like, again, safe situations, especially when you're a minor, you don't know where to go. That's really, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I found like all my like, <laughs> like poetry books that we had to write like an English class when I was like mm-hmm. 14 and they are very suicidal. And I, oh, boy. <laughs> I was oh, like, is it healthy yeah. or unhealthy? <laughs> so. I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> But that's like a good thing to look back on and say, hey, I understand where I was and where I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you guys ready for my thesis on fan fiction? Because yeah. I'm about to read it to you right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, I would say that fan fiction was a big part. You know, teenage years, man, they are rough. Um, <laughs> they are. Uh, <laughs> as I, I would, just stated. I would say it seems like it, they were for all of us. Um, but... Yeah, I was super. I was super anxious, super depressed in uh, high school, and I would stay up till like three a.m. reading, reading yeah. actually, right? Because it is escapism. Because you are escaping into another world, and sometimes it's like the same world, and sometimes it's like this, even the same situation, but written like three hundred different times. Yep, that's yeah, in different ways. <laughs> Which you know what? I it's it's my favorite like scenario. Why wouldn't I read it? Right. Like three hundred times, um, but like, but that that meant I didn't sleep. That meant I didn't socialize that much. But like at the same time, would I have not? Would I've done that anyway without it? You know. So it's like mm-hmm. you think about whether it was actually helping you cope with your mental health or not. But um, fan fiction, I think, is interesting because it allows you to write about characters you love, but also kind of put, there's, there's like self inserts in, yep. s- in stories, but then there's like self inserts that are more subtle where 
you just put the characteristics of yourself in a character and not necessarily your fist, like your actual self, which I, I mean, I'm sure we still do, but I think it's fan fiction is so interesting in that way because it's very complex and it's not black and white the way people kind of use fan fiction to understand themselves, understand sexuality, understand uh, any kind of life scenario. And I just think that, and like, I think that it's not like a bad or good thing, I would say. I think it's just a part of my life. You know what I mean? Um, And it was a way. Right. Yeah, it was just a way I used to cope and still do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether that counts as unhealthy or healthy. Um, you know what I mean? Well, I I mean I read that there's like I mean I'm sure that there's more than this, but I read that there's like two forms of escapism, like self suppression or self expansion. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you know more about this, Taylor? I assume you I do. do. Um, so it sounds like kind of like what you're describing like the feeling of like 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 for example like an unhealthy way that i would cope is like to like aimlessly like scroll on social media which i think which i guess would be like self-suppression like to just like try to like escape whatever feelings you're having right now yeah i would say if there's no growth that's probably a good way of thinking about that which is a weird i guess maybe that you know, maybe that's hard to like identify within the spectrum of what we're talking about. But if you're going to try to sit with your emotions and process them through this, that is healthy. So fan right. fiction, I find, and what when in especially in the past, but even now sometimes, and what you were saying, Jenny, for sure, is like a processing thing. You're processing. Right. So writing that like fan fiction that I was embarrassed about was the only way I could process what had like happened to me in all these different ways. And right. reading it through and like having emotions because of it. That's the same reason why people watch sad movies when they're like, oh, I want to cry and I can't. So let me watch <laughs> a sad movie. Right. Yeah. That's actually healthy because you're trying to get that emotion out of you. You're trying to actually say, it. this is inside of me, I'm identifying it. Let me actually like process it through this way of doing something that isn't going to hurt me or anyone else by reading a thing or doing it, watching a sad movie or whatever. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's it's so funny because I so like yeah. whenever my, whenever my dog like is injured or whatever has to like be at the vet overnight or something, I watch uh, Jurassic Bark on repeat, which is the Futurama episode where Fry's dog is like recovered and then dies. Oh no! <laughs> which is like the saddest no. episode. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I guess I watch it because I hate myself and I want to cry. Um, and in my head, I'm like, oh, that's unhealthy. But you're saying that that's actually not unhealthy. Right. That's you processing. You're like, okay, I need to process my emotion. This is how I can do this. This is how my brain understands how to do this. Absolutely. That's, that is not unhealthy to try to seek an emotional outlet that's not going to hurt you or someone else. Absolutely not. Right. Because yeah. it's a, like, it's a, it's a, it's a fake it's not a real right. character. Absolutely. It's a TV so show. So there's, there's no actual emotional, like, toll mm-hmm. that, like, you will feel forever or whatever. Because it's not real. Right. Can you tell me what emotional intelligence is and what it has to do with escapism? Yes. So we actually are talking a little bit about emotional intelligence, in fact, right now. Um, which is, like, identifying 
where you are as your interpersonally, like inside of yourself. So sometimes people are really, I mean, we are all blind to our emotions sometimes, uh, or don't want to encounter them or, um, don't want to let them overtake us. Right. Mm -hmm. So we push them away. Having a more developed sense of emotional intelligence, which is also, um, have you ever heard the term self-actualization? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like an old tenet of like, like, um, early modern psychology. It, it's learned, like seeing the emotion in yourself, seeing it, mm-hmm. understanding it and being able to handle it within yourself in an appropriate manner. So we were talking kind of about like the fan fiction thing, right? If you identify, okay, I'm having a bad day. Let me read some fan fiction because I just need to get some emotions out. That's actually just a demonstration of emotional intelligence. It's very, it's a very, it's a very lofty term for a simple concept, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. But it's just, it's having, it's more challenging, I think, than like some people realize, or I think all of us realize, uh, because of the thing we were just, we were talking before about encountering people that may not understand where you're coming from. And then you have like a reaction to them because you're thinking, oh, they don't like me or, oh, there's something wrong with me. But having emotional intelligence in that moment would be stepping back and saying, this isn't about me. This person Mm -hmm. is encountering something in themselves. Let me, let me look at that before I, you know, come to them and talk to them. So that's, that's a better example of that, I guess, a more complex example. Okay. Yeah. My my problem is like one step further than what you just described, which Mm -hmm. is like, I, I like see all that happening and I'll be like, oh, that person's mad at me. But then I'll be like, no, I know that this is all fake and they're not actually mad at me. I'm just telling myself in my head that they're mad at me. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's, but that's what it is. That's a great example of it. But I still respond as it. if they're mad at me and still oh, get upset. That's okay, but have an awareness of that is like the first step. Not necessarily that, to them, just to myself. There, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, but I know it's all in my head, so it's... um. <laughs> I mean, again, having that awareness at all is like a step, a good step, because some people, that's not happening, you know, and that's okay. We got to meet people where they are. That's kind of it. Yeah, and like, yeah, handling your mental health is like a journey that never ends, basically, right? Yes. Yeah, I've met a lot of people who who have been like, oh, I've like done a lot of like self actualization and i'm like okay that's like a forever process that, like, that, it's not like a process that stops <laughs> like <laughs> no no it's not i think uh, you know like taking a self-inventory and things like that some people don't do that but you can definitely overdo that which <laughs> that's, i would caution yeah. again uh, <laughs> i right? live in my head so yeah a lot of like we were talking about having anxiety can definitely overdo checking yourself and thinking that you did something. And that's when, uh, what like reality checking where that comes in, that's a good, um, method to do. But sometimes if you don't want to do it, you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. I, I am not here to tell people, Hey, do this thing when you do this. It's, it's far be it for me to do that. Just thinking, just be aware of when you're too critical of yourself is my point. Mm-hmm. So, every, so every day for me yeah, and Jenny. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I'm, I do it every day. Let me tell yeah. you, it's not a great, it's not good. 
Sometimes. Sometimes it's yep. definitely more hurtful than it is helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some examples of healthy escapism through modern fandom history? So I, I was excited to talk about this because some of our favorite people in fandom, like overall overarching fandom, have talked about this. So Tolkien was one of them, which mm-hmm. I find really cool because I did write about him in um, my thesis. When I did my thesis, uh, I kind of opened it with his attitudes on escapism. And of course, he wrote a lot of fantasy and he wrote, you know, everything that we know. It, this incredibly complex world that he dove into as an individual, as a writer. And he, the funniest part about him was that when he talked about his version of escapism, he talked about how it was fantastical and wonderful and you wanted to be in it, but there also was like this element of unease to it. So like he called it horror, but it's more of like a something not right. And he included that so people wouldn't get lost in it, which I thought was, I've always thought was very funny. Um, Tolkien was also like a little bit like of a philosopher. He's, he was religious. Um, I don't know if you know like a ton about him, but he was like a very Christian person in certain ways and then veered the other direction and, but was very like, has a lot of philosophical pillars to his thought process, which is interesting. Um, if you've never, if, if you're interested in that, go look it up because he's like a cool dude. Um, but yeah, so he, he wanted people to find escapism in his works, but he didn't want people to go too far into them, which is funny to me because that's what we were talking about before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, Freud talks about it. He said it was essential, which we, we write off a lot of Freud because some of his stuff was trash and, whatever <laughs> but we we wouldn't have certain things like transference which is a, a real thing in the psychology um and uh mental health uh community which is if uh there was like attachment theory and stuff like that i again i'm not gonna go crazy into the stuff <laughs> that I want to but it's when you have so boring. Uh, transference happens between um you know counselors and um clients um, I could, like, I could talk about all these things. We could branch off into a million different directions <laughs> about this. Um, and, th- but he, he came, he's the one who wrote that down and said this is actually going, that will happen, counter-transference, mm-hmm. which can be really, um, painful for the client who's going to seek mental health services. Those came from Freud. So we can't forget about those actual real things. But then he also said a lot of silly things that whatever. One of my really (laughs) good friends who is, uh, he's getting his PhD in counseling right now. He and I have arguments about Freud a lot. So he'll be happy that I brought that up on this podcast. (laughs) Um, Well, hello, friend. (laughs) Yeah, his name is Ben. Hi, Ben. <laughs> my, hu- my husband's name is Ben, so hi, my Ben as well. They're like, hello. Who loves Lord of the Rings, by the way. That's awesome. And him and, his, him and his best friend send each other Lord of the Rings memes literally every single day. Uh- wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a nerd. I know, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's almost like I chose someone like myself to marry. Right, it's almost uh, like you chose a great partner to be with. Great. Yeah. Um. And uh, so, also, Harry Potter would be a good example, right? Mm-hmm. Because like people, exactly. you know, like they're pretty obsessed with like thinking they're actually in Hogwarts houses. 
Yeah, which, okay, I love talking about Harry Potter as an example of this because everyone I think I've ever talked to that, and correct correct me with you guys if I'm wrong about this, or a lot of people I've talked about using like fan fiction as like a healthy escape out, escapism, outlet for healthy escapism, always point to Harry Potter fan fiction. I know I wasn't part of that, mm-hmm. but I know so many people who were. Me too. I was one of them. Yeah, but, like, even, like, people who are really into fan fiction, like, they'll like Harry Potter mm-hmm. yeah. fan fiction. It's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, I, I love, like, I mean, like, I didn't read it until I was an adult, so it's a little bit different than when you read it as a kid, and you can, like, imagine yourself, like, yeah. actually, like, oh, right. I can't wait for my letter, like, to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> like, you know you're not gonna get a letter, and life yeah. kind of sucks when you're an adult. Uh, <laughs> but, like, but... <laughs> But I, I love, like, you know, the idea that, like, we all kind of fit into a different Hogwarts house or two. <laughs> it is, it's very good fantasy for the fact that it's so open world. And I say that because there are a lot of other fantasy, genre, like, books in the genre that have rule, too many rules about them where you can't... I think that's why people are attracted to Harry Potter. I've thought a lot about this before. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really want to start a Harry Potter podcast, so... That'd be so cool! That you could have everyone on it. But it's, like, so open world that anybody fits there. That's absolutely true. And she wrote it in that way because it wasn't even about this intense... Like, yes, she does world building. It's a rich story for that. But it's really not about the world itself, which let's use Tolkien because we were just talking about him. Yeah, a lot of his stuff is about like the actual world. It's not just about those characters. So when you have that sort of difference in the story and how you lay the story out, you're gonna have the different way like a different way of accessibility, like how people approach the stories and say, I fit here, I don't. That's just it. Right. Which I get that, like, that's why I understand totally why people love Harry Potter so much, because it is really open for everyone. Yeah. And 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 what's your house? I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> it's funny, because I could, I could put, <laughs> I would put you in anything other than Slytherin. Thanks. My husband's a Slytherin, but... My husband's a Slytherin as well. Yep, but I always tell him he's the good Slytherin, like the new, the Slytherin 2.0, the new Slytherin, <laughs> that are just, like, smart and strategic and not like jerks you know so there you go (laughs) oh yeah that's what i mean that's that's what cunning is it's strategy so there you go yeah yeah right um i think another thing we can talk about in terms of kind of related to escapism is Mm -hmm. like parasocial relationships yeah right Mm because we do form very um, strong connections with <laughs> characters and actors. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, and I feel like it can become unhealthy because there are like <laughs> points to which people are obsessed <laughs> and it is not good. <laughs> yeah. Before I made like a jab at toxic fandom, when I say that term, I, I always think about that. What I mean when I say that is this thing is like people who are taking it too far and it's kind of overstepping boundaries with that kind of thought process. Like supernatural fandom can be really bad for that. I'm sorry to call Mm -hmm. it out. I'm a fan of the show. (laughs) I I watched it when it was first on TV, like first episode. So I feel like I couldn't say that, but um, (laughs) people who are 
long-term fans, a lot of them have gone away from the active participation part of the fandom because of that kind of right. situation. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't that fandom for a long time too. Yep. yep. Um and there's quite the divide among people. You know who. Um <laughs> it's oh, that's a that's a yeah. whole fa- like that you can go into the psychology of people who are fans of that um TV show like intensely, I'm sure, but Yeah, um, yeah, that's th- a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think any like parasocial relationship where the fan kind of feels this like ownership over the character is just like super toxic. Like like I like as we've discussed before, like like fans who like refuse to like accept that like Ariel couldn't be cast as like oh my a black woman instead. Like because <laughs> they feel like they like it's essentially them feeling like they own the character. Like Yeah, it's gross. Like that right. I'm gonna say gross on that because it's like blatant racism. Sometimes yeah. it's people just not having good um like social emotional awareness, like we were talking about before. But for this situation, that is not the that is not the issue. Um, but yes, right. Yeah, I can. For, so I'll say gross in this way. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. We also dr- are drawn to characters and feel connections to them, and are able to like for like almost like understand why they are the way they are and then understand how why we are the way we are and why people around us are so i think in that way it can be healthy yeah. to have these kind of relationships with characters yeah i would agree with that mhm i'm talking about tony stark um that's but- right <laughs> oh real talk real talk though again i was talking about my dad before he's like a great dude he his per Stony Dark's personality in the films is, like, what my dad is like in real life. Like, I'm not kidding Oh, really? You. Yes. Oh, yes. And so, when he died, I was like, my dad is dead. Like, that's oh, the no. emotional reaction yeah. I had. Yeah. Which is not, that's not, like, a thought process I've ever had before. Except sitting there in that theater. Also, it didn't help that, like, his daughter's on screen with him. Just, like, building up. Like, horrible, horrible, like, uh, weird emotion that came out of nowhere for no reason. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, why am I doing this? <laughs> so so is this healthy or unhealthy? <laughs> I would say it's healthy, but it's just sort of blindsided <laughs> me. It was very funny. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, in um, Logan. Oh, God. You guys, you guys I, I didn't expect to cry so much. Oh, God. But, yeah. like, I, I don't see him as a father figure. No. But he is a father figure in the movie. Right. And I, I think my dad had just passed recently. Oh, God. So, like, it was, it was, I, I just, like, I was just crying, like, until for, like, like a long time even after the movie ended. It was so intense. But it was a good thing to do to, like, let that out, that emotion, for sure. You, you mentioned, uh, is there anything else we want to say about escapism and how we can express it and perform it in a, like a healthy way. I would definitely say don't hurt other people with it. That's the most blatant answer I can give to that. If you're hurting someone else and that includes like ignoring your friends or ignoring your partner or anyone else who's close to you in your life. If somebody comes to you and and says, you know, I'm really feeling like you haven't uh, been with me or haven't spent time with me. Listen to that for sure. And don't avoid 
doing basic tasks because of it. Like, it's very mm-hmm. hard. It's very challenging sometimes to, you know, get up, eat, take a shower. These are all actual, you know, barriers when people are experiencing depression in their lives, for sure. So I'm not saying, like, easily just do this. Absolutely not. But be aware of it. Be aware that that's something you're not doing because you're sitting maybe in, in right. watching your favorite TV show or, or reading something uh, or doing that. But if it's because you're actually trying to actively process something, which I think most people can tell in some way when they're trying to process an emotion, even if it's not conscious, it is like the, like the joke that everyone makes in, in, you know, about movies, like, Oh, I'm going to watch this movie so I can cry tonight. Like that's, that's a statement that would be indicative of that. It's not bad. It's just something you can recognize and say, you know what? I had a really bad day or this bad thing happened to me. I'm right. Let me just sit with this. Let me have this emotion. Let it come. And then you can move on. So then is, I mean, this isn't phantom related, but just talking about like, you're bringing up like symptoms of depression. So then is suicidal ideation a form of unhealthy escapism essentially oh yes i would say so um i would say that's not even like an escapism thing at all i would hesitate to say that uh because a lot of times suicidal ideation ideation is uh like a byproduct like intrusive thoughts which has nothing to do with really um intrusive thoughts are like the negative brain reaction right they're not the pause like we get some sort of positive chemical feedback from most things we find in escape like escapism can be a bunch of different things there's actual like chemical feedback in your brain that happens when you do something that triggers that kind of like high emotionally good thing that you're doing right that's not like intrusive thoughts definitely don't do that so i would say that they're kind of they're very separated in my opinion but yes if you're going to ask that question definitely unhealthy for sure yes I, yes i mean not to be too like emotional or anything but no, i mean like okay. when, like when i have experienced suicidal ideation like i actually have it I had had like pleasant thoughts because okay. of it. because like mm-hmm. like the idea of, of right. it happening like is like was good to me in that moment and see, I would say that's like a complex. So it's complicated. Yeah, yeah, it's very complicated because probably chemically that's not what was going on necessarily. Like there's a lot, again, I won't get into the crazy papers and all that nonsense, but yeah. there's been like a lot of research done now through like in neurology circles and psychology circles that have done studies on like what our brain looks like in certain ways when certain things, oh, stimulus is introduced. So this is like you, like in the moment, yes, you are probably feeling great about it. You might not have been, your brain chemistry might not have, but that's a different thing. You're not going to feel that. That's not necessarily true. So yeah, you're right. That's probably that what you're saying is real and um, it is a complex thing, but yes, I would. I think it's one of the hardest things for people to understand, I guess, who don't experience that um is that like like for people who who do feel suicidal ideation like it like you like you feel depressed but then once you have those thoughts like they almost relax you i guess which is like which is like it's i mean i guess sucks but like it's i don't know no i mean that's again 
something that I've heard from children, like adolescents before, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very frightening for people. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's definitely very frightening that like a, that thoughts like that would end up feeling positive in your head when you know that they are definitely not positive. Right. I think part of it is that um, there is the ideation that I don't. I feel like I, I, I don't want to go like so into it that we start actually. I know. Talking right. That's right. why I like it. That's why I like being you know a little I mean? hesitant because I'm but, like I don't. Wanna... The ideation is the stopping of suffering, but it is the, the stopping of everything else too, Correct. including yes. uh-huh. including joy, including right, just any other feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So, and of course, there's there might be some. Of course, you want you want to stop you want to stop anxiety, but suicide is not the way. Yeah, obviously not. I'm, I'm look. I'm really glad that I that I didn't end up suiciding. It's just uh, that it's just like an interesting depressing thing to think about because it, like during suicidal ideation, sometimes your brain feels almost euphoric because it's like uh you're like thinking about like i guess completing this this goal basically right i, I don't i wonder if it's that like you feel like well you're probably not going to do it so it's was, okay to think that it's like the fantasy fulfillment that's what yeah. like jenny was starting to say yeah that's absolutely something that which is why like under the umbrella like of intrusive thoughts right that that can be something that's like not necessarily as negative as you would think it would be or like what we're talking about here but yeah most uh, a suicidal ideation is like fantastical in nature i don't want to say that because it makes it seem underplayed but it's not a reality thing it's not a oh i'm actually like living in the reality of me hurting myself it is like thinking about right yeah, so basically, like, I have had a very hard time explaining to people that, like, just because I have suicidal ideation, it doesn't mean I'm suicidal. Because it's almost like, I guess the reason why I asked if it's a form of escapism is because, like, I almost feel as if thinking about it kept me from doing it. Yeah. That's- but that's a really thin line, I yeah. feel like. I, I, I understand that it's a thin line, but it's a thin line that a lot of people do walk and the people who walk it a lot of times do know that that is how they feel yeah okay because i've walked that line for 30 years i will also point out that i think uh, we give a lot of weight understandably but almost like too reactionarily to the fact that people have suicidal ideation so that's actually right now something that is changing in the mental health community but when i was uh being put into it it was just changing and now i'm starting to see it change quite radically in a good way which is that it happens we have to talk about that it happened yes which before it was a cautionary thing like if this is happening this must be reacted to right away and that's not the way that's not appropriate we should not be doing that and it should be explored and discussed which is, it goes hand in hand with what you're saying, that this is more of a reality for a lot more people um, than you than previously thought about or discussed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. it's a much more normal thing than people realize, mm-hmm. um, maybe. And so, like, jumping to the conclusion of you need to be committed Correct. or something for having mm-hmm. those thoughts is pretty dangerous, in my opinion, because then yep. it makes the person not want to, like, tell people about those thoughts. Right. 
Yeah, which is that's absolutely how true. People end up dead. Uh, or like right, right, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Um, so sorry that this conversation became such a bummer. I, know, <laughs> I like challenging myself. I know. Sorry, it's just like oh, something okay. I was thinking about. Um, it's fine. No, it's it's definitely a good uh good thing to discuss. So I also want just you mentioned that you had outlets before. I just want to know what your personal outlets are. Um, so my personal outlets for doing this are just different things, I guess. I mean, working, <laughs> which is like <laughs> awful. Uh, because yeah. I'm an, again, I'm always an action person. So if I think there's something, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do something about it, which can be good and can be bad. But it's good that not to, to have to stew over things for a long time. Uh, but bad because you can like kind of lose yourself in it. Um, but I would say writing, um, I like writing a lot anyway. I okay. used to before I did, I used to want to be an artist when I was very young and then I was told I was bad at it. So I stopped and I wrote a lot Aww. and, um, I still write a lot and writing has always been a good way for me to express myself. Now I've come back to doing art and graphic design. I've been doing graphic design for quite a long time now, but, um, so that's never, that's something that's kind of never left me. And I I do know that actually helps me understand where I, where I am coming from, even if it's something I'm not consciously thinking about. And I would say interacting with people in fandom through conventions and through, um, cosplay and i totally forgot to mention when we were talking about escapism Mm -hmm. um i think a good way to to make it healthy is to make it a group activity yes at conventions and stuff yeah because you can watch tv shows with friends and loved ones um you can talk about them you can be in uh fan fiction writing communities you can do a lot of things that allow you to grow and like help you what help you communicate with other people <laughs> and <laughs> yeah basically yeah yeah you're right i think that's why i i brought up harry potter because it's like it seems like such a communal thing yeah it is uh it's like I was talking about before, it's very open to people and accessible to people. So people are very attracted to it for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, do we have anything else to say about all of this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if maybe I should say something like in a summary. I don't know. Um, I guess <laughs> the whole thing is don't be ashamed of what you do because you need to process your emotions. That would be the message that I would say to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're listening to the people who you trust around you. If that is involved, if you know, you're so involved in that, that you're not, you know, living your life. But definitely don't be ashamed of seeking these things out that maybe even help you grow. Like you were talking about finding your community. I definitely think I learn things from other people when I do cosplay in in these groups or challenge myself to, you know, join a group of cosplayers that are like mega talented, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely don't think that what you're doing is, again, if it's healthy if you're not hurting yourself or anyone else, you know, 
it's okay to process your emotions in ways that maybe like pop culture, other people are like, oh, that's weird. Don't worry right. about that. Yeah. Fuck you, Bill Maher. Like, <laughs> 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 screw that. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, anyway. that's excellent. Um, you've brought up cosplay a bunch of times, so just real fast, what's your favorite current cosplay that you're doing? Um, currently, probably not, Jeff, from what we do in the shadows. I think ah, I'm, yes. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to do a different costume of hers for Halloween. Because <laughs> uh, nice. I already have the wig and everything like that. And I've been looking at a few photos uh, online lately. And they're doing this costume parade festival thing at Navy Pier and like in Chicago over here. So I feel mm. like I want that's going to be my goal to like show up there and this <laughs> crazy thing. And people will be like, what is happening? So... That's awesome. Probably okay. that. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, where can we find you on social media? I am primarily on Instagram. You can find me at they seek her there. Um, like the Scarlet, it's a reference to the Scarlet Pimpernel. That's a little uh, rhyme that they do in the book, and it's uh, that's on Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter if you like Twitter better at Chicago Chic Geek, and on Facebook as myself Taylor Detheridge. Um, and you can find Logan Arch on Instagram as well if you like pop culture stuff, especially gaming 90s kind of thing. <laughs> if you really like Pokemon, you will probably yes. like us because we're weird about Pokemon over there. Um, and <laughs> Logan Arch Chicago. And you can find the website, LoganArchChicago.com. Oh, I also have a website where you can read my blog. That might be important. I always forget to tell people that. TheySeekHerThere.com. It's in the it's in the um, web link area on my Instagram anyway. So you'll see it if you go there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe, review, and rate us. It's the easiest way to help support our podcast. Uh, this week's review comes from Jay Putnam. Uh, they say, It's awesome hearing real fans talk about real things with sometimes a different perspective. It feels fresh and unpretentious. Just some friends having a good time talking about pop culture that I like in my ears. <laughs> Sorry, that's so funny. Um, how can you go wrong with that? <laughs> If you want to chat with us about the episode, our social medias are Fandom and Wellness on Instagram, Fandom and Wellness on Facebook, and Fandom Wellness on Twitter. You can also find Arkita at Classy Rebel Design, Danielle at Little Petal, and me at The Box of Shadows, all on Instagram. Uh, and if you want bonus content, you can join our fandom family at patreon.com slash fandomwellness for Patreon-exclusive geek sessions. And remember, be kind and take no shit. Yay! Woo! Get it.